as everybody read, I thought, I like this one the best. I like this one the best. I like this one the best. <laughs> well, thank you for joining me, Patricia, for this episode of the Haiku P podcast, Series 5, Episode 10. Honestly, where's the time going? We've had some cracking topics to write about so far this year. Colour, punctuation, Kerouac. And if you're listening to this in May 2022, we've just finished Speculative Haiku. I don't know about you, but I've learnt such a lot from our speakers so far this year. A big thank you to all of them. And we still have rather a lot to look forward to. Have you listened to Roberta Beery's workshop on how to use memory in your haiku? What an inspiration that was. At least for me. And I'm looking forward to reading your submissions on that topic. Do check out the submissions topics on the website. And I'm starting to think about next year. What to study and who to invite. So if you have some ideas, I'm all ears. Send them in. Today I'm joined by Joshua Gage, Ken Slaughter, Rose and Joanne Morecambe, who will be our community judges for this reading of your original haiku and senryu, inspired by Stanford M. Forrester's workshop on Jack Kerouac. I think we've truly celebrated Jack Kerouac's centenary, and it'll be interesting to know what you think. Do let me know. My thanks as always to the editing team. And this month they were Anna Maria Domberg San Cristoforo, Liam Maguire, no relation in case you're interested, Robert Horobin, Ron Craig, Bandana Parashar, and The Rain Pattern. There were a record number of submissions, so thank you to you for coming along and celebrating Jack Kerouac with us. And of course, the team for all the work they did to help me choose the poetry, not just for the podcast, but of course the Poetry P Journal, which will be out soon. And if you've signed up for our mailing, which is really easy to do on the website, you'll be one of the first to know. And as a reward for being on the mailing list, there's a little bit of a discount for you. So once you've finished listening to the podcast, do go and sign up for the mailing. Just in case you forget. And I have another little job for you. Well, actually, two little jobs. You know how competitive I am. And last year, Poetry P came in the top 20 poetry podcasts worldwide. We're up against companies with big money budgets. And as you know, Poetry P survives on coffee. Well, could you go to wherever it is you get your podcast and make a comment on our pages? It will help other people find us. And it might just push us past some of our big money rivals. I'd be eternally grateful. But we're not just celebrating Jack Kerouac's centenary today. We're also celebrating another successful month for our YouTube prompt. Every month, as you know, we put a little video on the Poetry P YouTube channel and we invite you to write poems in the comments section. Our lovely YouTube editor, Linda Ludwig, reads every one of these poems and at the end of the month she chooses her favourites to be read on the podcast and of course included in the Poetry P journal. Ideally, we'd like these to be original work, but if it's not original, 
and has been published elsewhere, please do put the place it was first published so I can give it credit. Today we're going to hear Linda's choices from the April prompt, and of course there's still time for you to go along to the YouTube channel and add your poems for this month, May 2022. We have a prompt from Pam Joy, which I think you're going to enjoy writing to. Thanks, Pam. So, shall we begin with Linda's choices from the April prompt? Thank you to all of you who took part. It's really going from strength to strength. So keep on going, and I look forward to finding out from Linda which poems she chooses in May. The Slow Fade of Folding Wings on Cherry Blossom Kim Clue Spring fragrance, the butterfly touches down into pale yellow. Marilyn Ward Sunny day, on a gauze bush, butterfly. Mariangela Kanzi, Ashai Haikuist Network, May the 1st, 2020 First date, a touch of butterflies. Keith Everts Oh, it might have been a long time ago since that last first date, Keith, but I can remember the butterflies. (laughs) Pop-up book. Through a child's eyes, a snapshot of spring. Robert Kingston. Congratulations to all the poets who were chosen this month. And like I said, I'm looking forward to finding out whose poems I'll be reading next month. Thanks, Linda, for all the hard work you do, reading every poem and choosing your favourites. And now for some original work inspired by the beat poet Jack Kerouac. And of course, the workshop given to us by Stanford M. Forrester. Thanks, Stanford. I hope you enjoy all the poetry you're going to hear today. It made a great impression on me and has encouraged me to carry on trying to find my own voice when writing Haiku and Senryu. Although, it has to be said, my voice is much different to that of Kerouac. I hope you enjoy what you hear today. And I'm going to open the original work with the first of our nominations for the judge's choice. This is Joshua Gage's choice. Joshua, it's lovely to see you again. I'm so glad you were able to come along today because I know you know at least a little bit more than I do about Kerouac. Now, last time you came along, you gave us a masterclass on making tea, didn't you? No, <laughs> you, you gave me a master quiz on making tea, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know how well I fared, but yes. Well, you passed with flying colours, I seem to remember. (laughs) So I wondered what we should do this time. And I I wondered, should I make you do an explanation of cricket? But I thought that was possibly a little bit unfair. I vaguely understand the rules of cricket. I've seen Lagan twice and I've seen Million Dollar Arm twice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll give that a miss. We'll go straight to the poetry. Tell us. Sounds good. (laughs) I'll study up on my cricket for the sci-fi cool one. Okay. Yeah, because you're coming back for that. I'm so pleased. Right. <laughs> so tell me, who have you chosen and why? I chose M. Shane Pruitt's Up in My Attic, The New Ghosts Pushing the Old Ghosts Around. Up in My Attic, 
the new ghosts pushing the old ghosts around. In an interview with Ted Berrigan, Jack Kerouac describes one type of haiku as a sentence that's short and sweet with a sudden jump of thought in it. He also argues that you've got to compress into three short lines a great big story. If the goal of this exercise is to imitate Kerouac in mood and style, M. Shane Pruitt's poem does just that. We're given a situation and Pruitt jumps from idea to idea in each line. Kerouac described this as the Buddhism of haiku, letting the mind willy-nilly jump from branch to bird. Pruitt jumps from the attic to the new ghosts, then with elegant wry humor, which combined create a simple little picture in three lines as Kerouac would describe it. Furthermore, one could see this as a Buddhist metaphor, something Kerouac might enjoy. If the point of Buddhism is to clear one's mind and eliminate suffering, then Pruitt's haiku is one of a failed Buddhist stuck in the muck of samsara. Uh, the ghosts are the ideas and thoughts that plague each of us, the new ones shoving the old ones, and our minds growing ever crowded. If samudaya, desire, craving, attachment, etc., is the cause of suffering, the ghosts in Pruitt's poem are just that, the thoughts and ideas centered around fulfilling desire. Were one to follow the maga, the eightfold path, properly, one might cleanse oneself of desire and become enlightened. This, however, is not the case in this poem, and the ghosts of desire continue to crowd the attic of our minds. Thanks, Joshua. I'm, I'm so pleased that you chose to talk about the Buddhist element of it, because it passes me by, and I'm, I'm so pleased that you brought that out. And also the fact that Kerouac, so many of Kerouac's poems seem to be about failure, don't they? His... <laughs> his failures yes and and not just his haiku but also his poetry in general i know he i mean he basically died of alcoholism he was a he was an alcoholic and he just could not kick that and it got worse and worse he obviously did various drugs throughout his time not not just like uh recreationally but to to increase his speed and increase his his typing and whatnot i know he, he took drugs to do that so a lot of his poetry is about his his failure as as a person. Uh, occasionally, he'll touch on failure as a lover or a parent. So yeah, um, failure and 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 not achieving one's goal. He was very as arrogant as he was, or as arrogant as he comes across in in certain interviews and whatnot. He was also very self aware, I think, and and if not humble, then self critical. Um, so a lot of his poems focus on those themes, certainly. Thank you very much. Rembrandt. It took 70 years, but I finally see. Michael Flanagan. Cigarette lighter. The Aladdin lamp at sundown. Christina Chin. Springfields. The tang of fresh Horseshit. Keith Everts. Tumbleweed. My first real one. Kath Abella Wilson. 
Drifting across a table, a smoky question mark. Sarah Paris. Preserved in alcohol, his liver. John Hawkhead. Motel life, mosaic of black mould on a shower curtain. David Cox. Dusting of snow. No secret where I spent last night. Sally Bigger. A dollar a pop, shooting the breeze in the mountains. Herb Tate. Above the bath, a chunk of sky. Hey, roofers! Dorothy Burrows. On the dock in the crane's beak, the fish slips. James Crotsman. Hitchhiking, I let the stars guide me. By Sally Chatterjee Dutt. Spring flowers, you never told me you could dance. Ilancharan Gunasakaran. Meditation. The deep inhale of a gnat. Marilyn Ashbow. The moon. How many miles away the scent of orange blossoms. Richard Tice. Low tide. I start to understand my ebb and flow. C.X. Turner. Climbing Jack Mountain. Too bad he's holding up better than I. Doris Lynch. Red Dragonfly. Do you like my jasmine hand cream? Mira Rehm. Wind blows the fallen leaf. A frog hops on. Ravi Kiran. Don't you quietly enjoy the sunrise? Oh, little bird. Ram Chandran. And whilst we're talking about birds, let's have another nomination, shall we? This time, from Kenneth Slaughter. Ken, welcome to P-Towers. For those of you who don't know Ken, he is a former vice president of the Tanker Society of America, which he did, I believe, for a couple of years. What got you into Tanker? Oh, well, I wasn't doing any good with my longer poems. <laughs> so I wrote, I wrote long poems. I thought they were great, but I would, you know, send them out with a self-addressed stamped envelope and always get them back with a rejection letter. Oh. And um, so I, and then I started kind of getting to short poems and I tried haiku at first and I didn't really get it. I found that it was really hard to write well. And I don't know how I discovered Tonka, but it was like a gift from the gods because I got five lines to work with instead of three. And it really made a difference in my poems. Now I'm going back and writing Senju, you know, that word with a funny pronunciation, 
it's kind of can be a little bit on the lighter side of haiku and yeah. I do write those and get those into field haiku and prune juice and stuff so that was it That's well about it thank you very much um and we're going to hear from you what poem you chose and why and I would say that just as an opening uh this is more like of a beginner's take on Kerouac I know Kerouac from reading his poems I don't know much else about him. The poem that I chose was by Katie Moore. And here it is. Hey crow, hopping, looking, shiny. Hey crow, hopping, looking, shiny. And this poem has all the elements of a Kerouac haiku. The subject of the poem, a crow, is treated in a unique and unexpected way. The poem doesn't follow the conventions of haiku, such as capitalization rules, and there is no juxtaposition of images. There is punctuation in the middle of line two, which is not usual. Most importantly, the poem demonstrates a keen sense of observation. Kerouac wrote what he saw. Let's consider it line by line. First line, hey crow. The crow is addressed personally and informally. The comma makes it sound even more informal as in, hey buddy. When read aloud, the line is just a bit louder because of the comma. This is quite a contrast in tone, which ba with Basho's famous poem, on a withered branch, a crow has settled autumn evening. Second line, hopping, looking. The motion described as hopping, pause, then looking, as birds do. The stress in both words is on the first syllable, so the line kind of hops along. The dash between words forces the reader to pause, like the bird does before it looks around. Birds have a herky-jerky motion, which is mimicked well in the rhythm of this poem. Third line, shiny. Now looking is read differently, looking shiny. The dash in line two facil facilitates this reading. So the dash assists both readings of the word looking and we get a little surprise in the last line. The word shiny is capitalized. Capitalizing hey in line one makes sense when you consider that Kerouac often capitalized the first word of his haiku. But why capitalize shiny? The answer is that it dresses the word up, as does the exclamation point at the end. It's as if the crow were all decked out in a black tuxedo. The poem's overall effect is to personalize the bird and make him look attractive and appealing. Crows are often associated with impermanence or impending doom in folklore and literature. In this poem, the writer tells us to forget about that symbolism and just look at the bird. That is quintessential haiku. Hey, crow, hopping, looking shiny. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, you say you know very little about um, Kerouac, but you certainly know how to read haikus. <laughs> Thank you very much. Summer evening above the baseball field. Bats are flying. Kim Clue. Woodpecker knocks, again and again, no one home. 
Eyavonka Ettinger. Bug on a car window. A dangerous way to hitchhike. Rob McKinnon. The spider at my front door. Every day I wave. Laurie Kiefer. Pillbug. I curl up too. Debbie Olson. Traversing my poem on the screen. A cockroach. Jackie Chow. Sunbeams on my potos. Sipping juice. Daniela Miso. Rain again. The clay bird bath almost full. Nina Singh. Rain drizzling. I ask my cat if I can go out. Minal Sarosh. Garden gate. The neighbour's dog leaves his mark. Nika. Drought. I fill the bird bath halfway. Sandy Prey. Pouncing on a mole, my cat forgets his bodhisattva vows. Kurt Paulish. Cats and dogs. The Big Dipper upside down. Brett Brady. Sitting Zazen. A barking dog tests my Buddha nature. Mark Scott. Now I'm just going to take a little break here to say thank you to everyone who brought the podcast a coffee last month. If you were listening last time, you'd know that I'm saving up so that I can employ an intern to do all the itsy bitsy bits of admin that get in the way of me creating content. And to be honest, the bits I really find frustrating. I do want to make this internship a little bit more interesting than that sounds, so I'll be inviting the intern to help me with some of the content creation too. And as of today, when I'm putting the podcast together, I've reached, with your help, 5% of the target I've set to achieve this goal. I know finding that little bit of extra cash is quite difficult these days. But if you can afford a cup of coffee for us each month, it will really help not just me, but somebody else to find a job that hopefully will create a career for them in the future. So any help you can give will be really appreciated. Thank you very much. And last month, I have to thank Eve Castle, Alison Douglas-Turner, Timothy Kremen, Wendy Ghent, Gareth Bloor, Linda Ludwig, Mark Forrester, Pam Joy, Vicky Miko, Emily Kane, Mimi Ahern, Peter Fisher, Marilyn Ashbell, Jason Furtak, Rob McKinnon, and a couple of other generous souls who remain anonymous for their help and coffees. Bless you all. Thank you. I also received a couple of special treats in the post this month. Thank you to Kristen Lindquist, who sent me a copy of her wonderful poetry book, 
Tourists in the Known World, and to Debbie Olson, who sent me a book I've been lusting after for some time but not got round to buying, Lee Gerger's Haiku, A Poet's Guide. Both are little treasures. Thank you. And now for some more treasures. That you, Bob, I say to the robin perched on a pine. Mimi Ahern. Fresh morning, the solitary flight of a magpie. Angiola Inglese. Autumn noon, the neighbour's cat sleeps on my couch. Ah, Shiresh Babu. Ant Moot. What brings you to my doorstep? Joshua St. Clair. If only we knew, Joshua, if only we knew. Bean sprouts on the floor. Cat won't eat them. Mark Brimble. Enlightenment. A shiny coin in a drunken gutter. Mark Gilbert. One bird on a wire. Singing to the sunrise. Susan Andrews. My old broken pail. A frog croaks. Near a cash-up. Kerouac. No one around him yawning, but the dog. Jeff M. Pope. You bees may share my cup of tea. I'll grab another. Ronald K. Craig. First sin. Tasting my brother's caramel. The month of fasting. Hassan Semori. The long path to enlightenment is heavy on the feet. My blister bursts. Tracy Davidson. Clover, all of her God talk, P.H. Fisher. Writing on the midnight bourbon train, missing the morning stop, John S. Green. Good Friday, the painted number on a lamb's back, Chris Dean. Storm-filled Atlantic, heading north. Into the Grey, B.A. France. Her lips painted red, she works nights, Linda L. Ludwig. Hope, the antidote for despair. Are we there yet? Neil Whitman. A flower bent on the stem. Tuesday. Tony Williams. Winter moon. Finally you've grown into your face. Wendy Ghent. Cherry tree logs piling up. Thump, thunk. Emily Kane. Emily, are we standing in the woods? Quite possibly. But either way, I'm pretty sure we're outside in our next nomination, this time by Rose. 
Our next community judge is Rose. She's joining us from India, where she's editor in chief of Open Leaf Press Review Literary Journal, de dedicated to haiku, haibun, free verse, and art. And Rose, you're our very first guest from India. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure. So for today's haiku, I have pegged one from Claire, and it is, looking for my earrings between the cracks, I find a ladybird. Looking for my earrings between the cracks, I find a ladybird. So mostly when it comes to this haiku, it uh, reminds me of feminism. Okay, it reminds me of femininity, something which is related to females. As you might be knowing about Karyok, Karyok is somebody who is dedicated to writing uh, details about life in his poetry. It is very simple, intriguing, and something which you can resonate with. I do love male personality. I don't, please don't get offended by that. But when it comes to females, I can see it in my country. I can see it in the UK. I can see it in the US that we need to go through a lot. And somewhere in that process, we kind of lost ourselves. Women, they tend to lose ourselves. If you are being as a wife, you lose yourself sometimes. When you are being a mother, you lose yourself. And this haiku just made me feel that you can go on, you know, sudden quest of finding yourself. Like you find yourself through the cracks. When you look at the cracks and you find a ladybird there, that uh, you can you can actually put yourself in that shoe of a person. That person might be feeling that. So that's why this uh, this one is very intriguing. You know, it talks about the essence of having a freedom. It talks about that freedom that a woman should have. You know, the entire quest of finding yourself out of a blue, out of nowhere, like a caregiver, like being a mother, you're caring for your child, you're caring for your husband. And then out of sudden, you just find yourself within a cracks. You just find yourself. So that's a very important thing to have in life. That at least now you are finding yourself and then you will start to progress. So one of the reasons I, why I like this haiku. I'm glad you chose this one by Claire Neenham. She and I discussed this one as she was writing it. With each of these analyses, I see things in a different way. And it hadn't occurred to me until you wrote your, your analysis for this, that this was almost a, could be a metaphor for being a mother, being a caregiver, because it, there's so, such a simple idea looking for your earrings most women can really understand that we've a lot yes. of us have been in that situation and then the idea of finding the ladybird and the ladybird being that image of freedom you, you suddenly find yourself just for an instance and you see this ladybird take to the wing and fly away and you know you sort of look after look watch it flying and you think yeah okay i won one day one day one day i can yeah <laughs> Thank you, Patricia. I mean, I that the haiku collection was brilliant. It just hit me to the core. One Great. of the reasons why I chose. <laughs> Thanks so much, Rose. Balmy afternoon, I toss a coin into the wishing well. Mona Betty. Hey, buddy, can you spare me a poppy? Richard Bailey. Plant identification app. The cherry tree in my backyard is Japanese. Craig Kittner. Craig, I think I need one for birds. If you know of one, do let me know. Tetris piles up neatly as snow comes down. Kathleen Tice. 
The Value of Old Fences Wabi Sabi Giddy Nielsen Sweep Winter Mist A Dew Drops on My Cheek Amrutha Prabhu This morning's clouds know nothing of yesterday's rain. Mark A. Forrester Jazz, a blue bottle beats against the frosty glass. Robert Whitmer All day rain. I eat mashed potatoes cold from the fridge. Alison Douglas Turner Oh, Alison, sounds dismal. (laughs) I hope the weather got better. One man shouting on the park bench drifts of apple blossoms. Vicky Miko. Carved names in a city tree. Mushrooms. Deborah P. Kalodji. The last red apple delaying the inevitable fall. Pam Joy. Where the prickly pear became compost. Sunflowers. Alison Whipple. Between the birds and me, all the wild grape hulls are empty. David Oates. April Fool's Day. A crow and I watch the snow plough plough. Joseph P. Wexelberger. First strawberries never taste like the first time. Anna Maria Domberg, San Cristoforo. August afternoon. The sweat dripping off a bottle of pop. Lorraine A. Padden The fallen leaf crumples under an uncaring footstep. Ian Speed And here we are, almost at the end of today's podcast. Just time for one last nomination. And this nomination is by Joanne Morecambe. Our next community judge is Joanne Morecambe. Welcome, Joanne. Thank you. Now, Joanne is a member of Haiku Canada. And like Ken, I know you've got an interest in Tanker and you're a member of Tanker Canada too. Mm-hmm. Um, and just looking you up, Joanne, I can see you are a very well-traveled person. Though I guess maybe that was stymied a bit by the COVID situation. Yeah. Yeah. Have, yeah. You, have you been, are you back on the road yet or are you still at home? Not on the road, nope. Oh. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> soon, hopefully, soon. And I noticed, I re- what I was reading, I noticed Switzerland wasn't on your list of places you've been. It's on my bucket list. <laughs> Glad to hear it. <laughs> anyway, let's hear the poem you chose and you can tell us why. Okay. I, I've chosen uh, Eve Castle's haiku, uh, Holy Wafer. All sins forgiven, I still get drunk. Holy wafer, all sins forgiven, I still get drunk. This haiku doesn't contain a season word, which 
makes it a versatile poem for all seasons. What's outstanding about it for me is the focus on one of Jack Kerouac's greatest influences, the Roman Catholic Church and its rituals, including the celebration of the Eucharist in which consecrated bread and wine are consumed and become the body and blood of Christ. It also references sin, guilt, forgiveness, sacrifice, and salvation, all in just 13 syllables. The quite serious subject matter takes a turn for the comical in the third line, although upon reflection, the humor is rather dark, verging on self-satire. The change in mood or tone is characteristic of a haiku and a deeply enriching one. Why does the poet get drunk after the ritual? Does it happen once or all the time? Is it funny or sad, wrong or right? The questions keep coming, but there are no definitive answers. Knowing that Kerouac's alcohol abuse contributed to his decline and premature death adds poignancy and a sense of tragedy to the poem. It's almost the story of his life told in three short lines. As he said himself, one day I will find the right words and they will be simple. The nine words in this poem are right and simple, but they're not simplistic. They convey a complexity of thought and feeling that engage and impress readers, whether they're familiar with Kerouac's life story or not. The I in the third line is everyone who's ever done something they regret and atone for, yet they keep doing it, sometimes over and over. It's a universal human experience portrayed to perfection in Eve Castle's down-to-earth yet profoundly spiritual haiku. Kerouac would no doubt nod or just smile in silent agreement. Yeah. Thank Thanks, Joanne. This is uh, this one was, was very intriguing because uh, it hit the Catholic guilt in me. You know, as a, an ex-Catholic, I could really identify with this this poem. You know, <laughs> and I, I think you're right. Um, I could just see Kerouac really going, mm, "Yeah, I know what this one's <laughs> all about." <Yeah. laughs> Thank you very much, Joanne. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. And now the judges and I are going to sit down. Um, maybe Joshua is going to make us a nice cup of tea and we're going to have a fight about who gets the judge's choice and who are the honourable mentions. And you'll find out who they are in the next journal, which is on its way to being ready now and should be out in June. Thank you to all the judges. Thank you very much. Congratulations to all the poets featured here today. It was a difficult topic. And you did a really great job. As I said before, we had a record number of submissions. And although we did have also a record number of rejections, we read everyone's work and we really enjoyed it. If you've listened to Roberta Beery on episode 9 of this series, which of course you'll need to have done for the next submission period, that's if you're listening in May 2022, she reiterates that if you have work turned down, it doesn't mean it's a bad piece of work. There are any number of reasons why it didn't get through. 
keep believing in yourself and keep submitting. So next time on the podcast, we're going to travel through time and monitor how vulgar haiku have been and how that's changed through the ages. It's a cracking podcast with Keith Everts of the Haiku Foundation's Revirals as our speaker. And don't forget to pay a visit to our sister podcast, Poetry P Readings, and enjoy a little one-on-one time with some poets. So until next time, keep writing. And if I've messed up, which, as you know, is quite possible, send me an email and I'll do my utmost to put it right. Ciao!